Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast and a historic podcast because Josh has joined me again, but it is the first United podcast we can do in our history, top of the tree. It feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit surreal, doesn't it, Josh? It feels unbelievable. I mean, I've not, well, we've not experienced this since, what, New Year's, January 2013. I mean, I know, obviously, you can take first two, three games in the season where we've we've been in the top um the top of the Premier League, but it really feels um, different this time round, and it's it's a great feeling. I know you don't really celebrate winning the league in January, but it's just great to be challenging, especially at this stage of the season. Well, we're just saying before we record, and I just think when we were growing up, say ten, fifteen years ago, this wasn't even a feeling; it was just standard. It was, it was not even a course of celebration or even a discussion. It was just where we were. If we weren't, we were second. It worst case scenario in that sort of 0405 period, we were third. But now this, it feels like something is special. And again, the situation we have found ourselves in, we have every right to feel sort of in that celebration mood. But it's weird how, as you say, January 2013, it's a non-issue where now, I wouldn't say we're celebrating, but you, you sort of can't you can't blame people for enjoying the enjoying themselves. No, absolutely not. And I think you've got to look at you know the first three games of the season, and a lot of people, myself included, looked at those first three games and thought we are a long way off. Anywhere we're going to really struggle this season. You know what? We might we might still struggle this season. You know the league isn't over in January, but to be in this position after the start we had, the lack of pre-season, um, you know, Ollie and the team need to take a lot of credit. I think that's the thing which a lot of people sort of aren't sort of whether they're realising or won't accept it at the moment. But I think people need to accept it. And quick smart, we're going to lose games in the remaining couple of months of this season. We're going to lose games, who knows, might be at home to West Ham or at home to Everton. There's going to be results like that. However, the good thing that we can cling on to, Manchester City and Liverpool will very likely have those results as well. So we, we might very well forfeit top spot at some stage. Okay, but we've so we've, we have shown going into a game where we can take top spot against a team like Burnley, United can deal with that pressure. So just before we move on to the sort of Burnley game and go through it, just a little bit on Solskjaer because I know you have a very similar opinion to me, but just for the listeners, I just want to put almost the, and obviously it won't put the discussion to bed. It's a it's a global issue amongst the United fan base. But Solskjaer, this Oli in v Oli out debate, it has to end now. Really, he's taken us top of the league halfway through the season. It has to be a non-issue now. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you to to an extent. I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm never an Ole out, should I say. I don't believe, I think it's criminal really to, I don't think anyone can justify, is what I'm trying to say, an Ole out argument at the moment. There's just no justification to it. He's doing the best he can with the team and the proof's in the pudding really in terms of where we are at in the prem, on the Premier League table. Obviously, people may look to, you know, cup form and, you know, his lack of success getting us past a semi-final of the League Cup, the FA Cup. But I don't want to go back into the City game, but you were right in everything you said on that podcast is you were simply just beaten by a better team and you got to accept that. But in terms of Oli, you know, you need the Oli outers just need to be put to bed for, for some time, really, because it's important to celebrate success, you know, create a little bit of positivity. And Oli seems to be doing that amongst the team, so we should be doing that ourselves as fans. That's our responsibility, really. I think that's a good point in regards to we sit here and say, well, the fans, whatever our mood is, it won't influence the pitch and probably doesn't influence the pitch that much this season because obviously no one is there. But 
players are active on social media. When they pick up their phone in the morning, they know what is being said. And you can see in the way they're, reacting, the way they're celebrating goals, the way they're celebrating wins, you can tell it is a positive camp at the moment. And look, fans are entitled to opinions online. But I just think in terms of supporting the players and getting the best out of the players, it needs to be that positive sort of energy needs to be maintained online because that'll like or not that that will trickle into the into the playing camp. So yeah, long may it continue. But absolutely. Uh, well, it is a positive podcast, so we'll discuss. Look, it's a massive win, regardless of what we think about the performance. I actually kind of think it was almost a brilliant performance. Obviously, individual displays weren't great, but in in regards to the situation we found ourselves in. I was over the moon with it, but we'll get into it and break it down a little bit. And the start in 11, I'm not sure if there's a talking point around this, but we'll get into it a little bit. Lindelof and Bay, um, it was a big selection headache for Solskjaer, but it looks like his hand was forced with Lindelof carrying a knock. Just your thoughts on, do you think Solskjaer would have picked Bay anyway, or do you think Lindelof was the first choice and he just was injured, so he had to play Eric Bay? Just your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Lindelof has done much wrong this season. Um in terms of defensively, I know a few times it's been caught out, but I think just in terms of the aerial threat posed by Burnley and sort of how good defensively by he is, um, in terms of being self-assured, and I think that reflects positively on you know his defensive partner. That it probably was the best decision, regardless of whether Lindelof was uh, sorry, regardless of whether Lindelof was injured, I would have probably picked by yeah. If we go forward about 10-15 yards and go into midfield, again, it almost creates more debate uh, which midfield selection should we have. And we've almost made this sort of argument in the past. It's either Solskjaer almost has his little pairs and he plays Scott McTominay and Fred together. And if he doesn't play one of them, he won't play either. And he plays Matic and Pogba. And everyone thought in this game, while it wasn't the big name of a Liverpool or a City this almost must-win game did have a big game feel against Burnley. So I think everyone just assumed, well, it's a big game. He's going to go with McTominay and Fred. However, he has taken the initiative in terms of trying to get his sort of best footballers on the pitch and has gone Matic and Pogba. So going into the game, were you thinking it was going to be McFred or just your thoughts on that midfield selection? No, I thought, I thought he would have gone with Matic. Um, just because, I'm not saying just because I would have gone with Matic, but I think just in terms of experience... Um, composure, passing accuracy. You look at this game, and it's probably more going into this game. It's probably more important that we win it, really, as opposed to draw. I know a draw would have taken us top of the league, but to have that experience in the squad where you can have someone that's composed in midfield um, that won't really make a mistake because United barely in midfield really made, um, especially across the hold, barely made a mistake today in midfield with Matic. I thought he was really, really good today. Um, proved to be a really good decision. I think with McTominay and Fred, yes, sometimes they do provide that little bit of creative spark in terms of the passing, especially if you look to Fred and I know McTominay cleans up. Um, I think you would just needed that experience because this game in the past would have been a game that we probably would have lost 1-0 with the opportunity to go top of the league. You know, if this would have been a situation one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, we're losing this game 1-0. Yeah, no, we're not even drawing yeah. yeah, no, especially especially that first twenty minutes, I thought Burnley weren't dominating the game in terms of their football, but the game was sort of going how Burnley wanted it to go. They were getting positions where they could. They weren't yes. sort of whipping crosses in, but they were in those positions where if they wanted to float a ball in, they could, which was a little bit tricky. But you mentioned the experience of Matic, and I thought that was 
there, there was two things that stood out for me. One, maybe I'm overcomplicating. Maybe he actually was injured and it was that time of the game. But just going down right at the end of the game where the referee was just playing injury time after injury time. And Matic, for me, from what I saw before the camera sort of panned in on him, he didn't look injured at all. It just looked like he took the decision upon himself just to sit down and just stop the play sort of thing. And there was another one. It was about... It wasn't the same play, so it wasn't a direct impact on the goal. But just before the goal where Pogba got forward off the Rashford cross, which we'll get into, was about, about the passage before. I saw we've always had this argument with Pogba when he plays in almost that six role, he's a little bit deep, he doesn't sort of get forward. And it's a sort of a criticism we have with the four two three one. You saw with Matic, he just said, Paul, you, you could visibly see, he just waved him on and said, Paul, go forward, I'm here, get forward, get forward, get forward. And almost just play that more traditional 4-3-3 where Pogba can join Bruno Fernandes. And lo and behold, two minutes later, Matic sits, Paul Pogba gets into the box where, to support Marcus Rashford on the cross and so the rest is history. So yeah, it'll be interesting when we get into the 3 2 ones because I think a few players did steal the show, but I think that game pans out very differently if Nemanja Matic doesn't play. But um, just on that sort of start, were you worried in terms of that start also where Burnley were almost dominating? Was that Burnley doing well or were you worried? You, you mentioned there was a little bit of nerves. Do you think the nerves were trickled onto the pitch in regards to the players almost feeling the pressure of sort of taking that top spot in the league? I think I think the, I think there was obviously an element of pressure. I think when you when you face Burnley, you look at it and they're a team that's probably especially at Turf Moor, they're a team that you, you just feel you never get to lose two three nil in that game. But if they scored and made it one nil, they're just completely part of the bus and without any creative spark, um, we'd especially struggle to break them down. So I think if we would have conceded first or if we would have gone one nil down very early. Yeah, we would have had a lot more possession and would have created maybe a few more chances, but I think we really would have struggled to score because Burnley are really good at protecting um, a lead, especially against the big teams. And we've, you know, um, they've done that in the past against Man City, against Liverpool. I think that was one of the things which I mentioned on the last podcast. Larry, I said, obviously the individual points in these two games are going to be huge. Obviously the points are what matter at the end of the day. But for me, especially the Liverpool game was more a statement could be more sort of beneficial long-term in terms of going there and getting a result. I thought today, obviously, the points are good, obviously beating Burnley and going top. But what, in my opinion, which I'm sort of alluded to at the start of the podcast, which might be more beneficial in the long-term, was just a statement because we've had this hurdle so many times over the past. It hasn't been to go top of the league, but maybe to overtake the team in fourth spot or a semi-final or something. And we have failed in that last hurdle. And this was a big hurdle to sort of take that sort of so-called last step and, you know, things weren't going our way in that first half. But ultimately, they didn't let the pressure sort of get to them and ultimately sort of achieve the result they wanted. So hopefully that is a... Look, we think we've turned many corners over the years, but hopefully that is a corner that we look to have turned. But something which could have turned the game, um, the Luke Shaw and uh, Edison Cavani incident... The, the Cavani incident is almost a non-issue because of what happened at the other end of the pitch after VAR got involved. But your thoughts on sort of the Luke Shaw tackle and the situation that arose from that? I thought the Luke Shaw I thought the Luke Shaw tackle was definitely a booking. Um it was me looking at it completely objectively. Um it was a sloppy first touch and obviously we were struggling to make the tackle and I think when you go in, even if regardless of whether you get the ball and your foot's high, it's always going to warrant um a booking. And I've seen it sort of reminded me of that Gerard. Do you remember that Gerard tackle at Anfield in twenty thirteen where you get sent off, or is it twenty fifteen where you get sent off? 
and he just follows through. He gets a bit of the ball, but he gets like the shin of I think it's is it Nani or Valencia? I can't remember who he gets. Um, the, I think you're thinking the um, uh, Carragher one, Jamie Carragher, who didn't get sent off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of reminds yeah, it sort of reminds me of that. Um, and I think, so, you know, sometimes a referee would probably send him off for that. I think it would have been a very very harsh red, but I think it was definitely you know a foul. And I think if it was one of our players, we'd be screaming for a yellow. Well, do you think that, and I agree, long term, look, I don't think Luke Shaw did anything wrong, so I don't think it's like an intent and should be a straight red card, however... No, absolutely, no. The, the fact is he does catch him, and the fact is that that is a foul, it doesn't matter that he did get the ball, however, what were you thinking in terms of, in the heat of the moment, when that is slow motion, slow motion, slow motion, VAR is checking and checking and checking, for me, I was thinking, they're going to send him off, I, 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 was, I was sure... Um, no pun intended that they're going to come and send him off just what were, your, what were your feeling in regards to what you think the decision should have been and what you thought the referee was going to give because the referee on his day um, I don't think he covered himself in too much glory no I don't think it was um, I, didn't, I didn't really think he'd get sent off in all honesty because I just didn't think there was any intent in the tackle to cause like any harm to the player it was more just you know he got the ball he sort of went in softly quite high. It was sort of, it was a follow-through, but it wasn't really going at a, a significant pace where it would cause damage. Um, I think with VAR, it was just a very long process, really, to get to the decision, wasn't it? I mean, the I way... Because they had to check we, the other one saw, first. Yeah, so they checked our one first, which made... And the fact that they kept on checking ours for about two minutes before they checked theirs just made you think, oh, you know, is he, is he going to send... Um, one of their players off really for being the last man. If you're looking to our tackle where Cavani gets brought down, I don't think it's a red card for them. But I mm. think it's definitely obviously a free kick and a booking. So I think he was right to book him initially. Um, but all in all, going back to Shaw, it was the correct decision to pull it back. It's just a mess when you know it takes about four or five minutes to yeah. to decide that because it just sort of ruined the you know the enjoyment out of the game. Yeah, no, I agree there. And the, so the referee probably gets a pass there, but where he doesn't get a pass. Harry Maguire. I I thought this was such a good moment for Harry Maguire. I called it just before the corner. I said, if Harry Maguire stays on the far post here, he could get a chance um, in terms of the, the position he was taking up. And I called it just before Luke Shaw, Shaw gets the ball, said Harry Maguire back stick. And it was a fantastic header. Rockets into the back back of the net. I can't believe... Look, I can see why the referee's given a foul in terms of... It, it might look like he's pushed him in the back, but it is just a towering header, which happens... 50, 60, 100 times a game. If that happens on halfway where Harry Maguire is facing a goal kick and he's up there with Ashley Barnes and sort of gets up and wins a header like that, it's not even blinked. It's, it's nothing. It's a non-incident. But in the box and a goal's resulted in it, it's um, one of, so one of my fell. good friends. One of my good friends is a, is a big Burnley fan. Um, and I messaged him as soon as it happened. We were just talking through the VAR and then after at half-time. And he, he's very objective with football. And he said straight away, can't believe that goal didn't stand and this is coming from a Burnley fan I think the proof was how many of their players objected to the tackle no one really complained the referee just blew his whistle straight away um, and I feel sorry for Maguire really because how fitting would it have been you know a captain's goal to take oh, us top, top of the table um, not saying if we would have been 1-0 up in you know 30-40 minutes whenever it happens we would have gone on to win 1-0 we may have gone on to draw the game or you know we may have gone on to win comfortably 2-3-0 but how fitting would it be him, you know, to score the first goal? And it was exactly what happened, you know, previously. He was getting, he got criticised um, for everything he did in the summer. Then he comes on after the criticism and scores, scores the first goal in the game. 
And then this time he's being criticised by fans, maybe rightly so, because he should score a lot more goals with his head. I mean, you think how many free headers he gets from set pieces, from corners, from crosses, and he's blazing them over the bar or into the keeper's hands. He should be scoring a lot more. And that criticism has been, you know, vocalised more recently um, through his manager, through the fans. And he's going to improve them. Not everyone wrong, but he's going to score, you know, the first chance with his head and it's been disallowed. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And look, while it's definitely not a foul for me, it is just that the main thing that was sort of frustrating for me, I was just devastated for Maguire because it's something that would have been great for him and sort of a great image. And as you say, the whole narrative surrounding him, um, it, it would have been lovely to see, but um, thank God it did, um, didn't come back to sort of Hornets because at that time, especially the way the first half panned out, you thought, God, he's just going to be one of those nights. But um on to, I guess, sort of our weekly Paul Pogba segment. And I think this one can um, be maybe transfer-free. We can talk about the actual player and the footballer um, in question. Big player, big goal. Massive goal. Um, I think it was quite fitting that it was him as well. It was like public enemy number one. Scores to take Manchester United top of the table. I know that doesn't that contradicts everything I said about Maguire, but still quite fitting for him to be the guy that... Um, you know, wins it for us. You know, everyone was expecting a Bruno Fernandes penalty potentially. Um, but yeah, he goes ahead and, and performs. It took a massive deflection, um, which I think, you know, caught the keeper off. But still a fantastic finish and fantastic football leading up to the goal um, to take us top. What do you think his performance? Because we'll get in the 3 2 ones in a little bit. But Pogba has performed well this season when Bruno hasn't. I'm not saying Bruno was poor. Well, he probably was poor today, but Bruno didn't stand out today. But in those games where Bruno isn't impacting on games, especially recently, Paul Pogba is the one sort of, I wouldn't say taking the game, taking the game by the scruff of the neck, but he is the one sort of almost picking up the slack, that creative sort of spark that Bruno usually offers. Pogba is the one sort of pulling those strings at the moment. And I think the way he's doing that isn't in the way Bruno Fernandes sort of creates by always trying something. I think what Pogba's game is so good at the moment is He's just keeping it simple. He's doing the basics right. And when Paul Pogba is doing the basics right, and sort of when you do that, you sort of feel confident. You'll get into a position yeah. on the edge of the box where you can strike a ball cleanly like that. Absolutely. And I think you hit an nail on the head there. Um, Bruno, for some time, hasn't been amazing in games in terms of quality of football. But the impact he's had on probably maybe 80-90% of the games in the past, like you know, let's say 15 games... He's been the one that's had the impact, whether it's scoring a penalty, creating a goal. After probably having maybe five, six out of ten overall performances prior to, prior to having the impact. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good that they have that understanding. And I think there was a caption this week that, where Pogba or maybe even Bruno said in an interview that they spoke um, privately on the training ground about their responsibility of understanding each other and forming you know, a partnership. Because there's going to be times where they need to play together. It's not going to be a case of Pogba's on the bench if Bruno starts. There's games like today where they'll need to start together. And if one's not having an impact in the game, it's down to the other world-class player, because Pogba is a world-class player, to have that impact. Yeah, no, And I think he proved that today agree. by doing the simple things uh, really, really effectively. Sometimes in football matches, it's not about... Um, you know, being creative because teams like Burnley can stop you being creative and really frustrate you. It's about doing the simple things yeah. and, and being effective in, in key moments that arise because there wasn't many chances in the game. You look to maybe a Martial 30-yard shot, um, Martial's one-on-one at the end to make it 2-0 potentially. 
and Maguire's header. There weren't many key free chances in that game. Yeah, no, completely agree. And we'll just go on to three, two, ones before we get to the Facebook comments. And it'll be interesting. We'll have a discussion now about it. I think two names will sort of be top of our list. So I'll throw it to you. For, well, actually, before I throw it to you, I'll just put my nomination of Paul Pogba for the three points. And just a stat I was just reading on Twitter before we started recording. And I don't want to sort of joke, I don't want to sway your opinion if it is something else. But something where, obviously, everyone sort of has an opinion and stats don't matter. But you look at these numbers and it is hard to argue with Paul Pogba. One, he's had the all-important goal, so that he's had that direct impact on the match. But he's had the most touches, the most passes completed, the most aerial duels won, the most clearances, and the most chances created. And all those little stats, well, quite important stats, on top of the game-winning goal, I think it would be hard. It'll be interesting to see the Facebook comments in a bit, but it's hard to argue that he isn't man of the match. But I'll go to you for your, your suggestion for three points, if it's anyone else. Well, I said to you off air uh, earlier in the day that... I thought Matic was um, superb today, just in terms of the composure on the pitch. But I'll let you have this one. I think Pogba, in terms of being effective where maybe Bruno wasn't, being a game-changer, I think it's hard to argue. And I think some of our listeners um, definitely feel the same and take their views into consideration as well. I think, uh, yeah, definitely Pogba. Well it, is, well, well, it is Pogba for me. But as you said, Nuremenia Matic, I thought almost performance-wise, in terms of how crucial he was, he was just as key, if not more. I think it's a completely different game without Matic. If that's Fred in there by himself, the game pans out completely different. So Nemanja Matic is an easy two points for me. But one point will be interesting, and I'll throw it to you if, if you think it's going to be one of these and we have a debate on who to split it who to split it amongst. For me, it would have to be between Bay and Maguire. I thought as a defensive display, both individually and as a partnership, in probably one of the sort of hardest places to go as a central defender, I thought both of them were brilliant. Yeah, definitely um, one of the two defenders. And this is my controversial comment of the day, because I always love to put one in there. I actually thought Martial had a decent game today. I thought he was very good. I thought at the time when you saw Greenwood um, getting ready to sub, I was thinking, I I think he might take Martial off here and keep Rashford. But I thought Martial was having a far better game than Rashford. And I thought, I know Rashford got the assist. I thought, I'll be interested to see what Solskjaer does here. And I thought Solskjaer, yeah. made, and not that Greenwood did anything fantastic when he came on, but I thought it was the right player who came off because, yes, you're right, Martial did, I think, yeah, played very well. Unfortunately, playing very well, not in front of goal. He um, needs a little bit of work there. And I think that's the thing. He's just like, he's just really, I thought, he's definitely not worthy of a one point, but he's just lacking. I thought his overall play today was good, but in just in terms of one-on-one shooting yeah. and and some of his decision-making in, in the final third. I don't know if he's suffering from confidence. I don't know if he needs to be dropped, but... That, that, I that be, chance, I that chance at the him end. That, yeah, that chance at I the mean, end was completely shot of confidence. He, when the ball's bouncing, you could just see, and I've been in that position before, so it's not a criticism. He didn't want that, he didn't want that chance to fall to him. He was bouncing, he was thinking, oh, God, I don't, I don't want to take this chance on. And he ends up potentially injuring himself. Looks like he rolled his ankle after he hit the ball. So, well, I think yeah. I think that was a ploy. I think he was a bit embarrassed. He missed that. Yeah, and yeah, he, potentially. You yeah. see the end at full time when he comes on, and I think some of the players at, at full time are giving him a bit of stick, and he's got that little smile on his face. Yeah. I don't know if he was. <laughs> I don't know if he was really injured. But going back to our, our one, I think for me, um, I thought yeah, Maguire was good, but I thought Eric Bailly just looked. Um, he's just gaining a bit of confidence now, Eric Bailly. Just with a good run of games, he's starting in. Um, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was really good today. You could give it to any of Maguire or Bailly. Uh, I, th- I think we'll give it to Bailly. In terms of the, the difference he's made, I, I think 
almost made the case Maguire was better. But the importance of Eric Bay, I think, just makes the difference. And just your thoughts and take away the football side of thing and his skills as a defender, his attributes as a defender, and take away his injury record and everything. Do you think something about this in regards to the way I always mention the narrative of the season and it's a weird season, so sort of the normal rules don't really apply? Do you think one of the things why he could be so important is because he's almost, I don't know how to phrase it, he's, he's such a loose cannon, he's such a character, like he'll almost just have that sort of weird impact on a team is it like something different it's, it's it's sort of not textbook if you know what I mean yeah he's not he's, well, he's but no, by any means he's not your traditional defender is he he's very extravagant in terms of the way he plays but when he's really good and when he's really engaged in the game you saw it against Chelsea um, I think it was last year in, I don't know if it was in the FA Cup or the League Cup where he had just had a really confident game at the back against really tough opposition but then this year, it just seems to be really cleaning up well and professionally. And you don't... Sometimes when he's one-on-one with, a, with an attacker, you feel like, oh, God, like he's going to do something stupid here. But I've got a bit of instilled confidence now in Bay at the back. More yeah. so than I have with Lindelof. Even though you know, I can't really fault Lindelof much this season. Um, and I think some of the criticism he's getting Lindelof is harsh. But I think, you know, if you're playing well, you deserve... you know. A starting 11 place is never guaranteed, no matter what your position is. I mean, that's been proven with Pogba this year. And why should the defence be an exception? You know, Bayer's playing well. He deserves his place. He's barely foot, foot wrong. Yeah, no, I think... Same with Luke Shaw to an extent. Yeah, I thought Shaw was good. And, um, uh, yeah, I think Shaw's been fantastic since Tellez has come in. But we'll move on to, quickly, the Facebook comments. And everyone's 3-2-1's there. Rob has gone, Pogba was immense today. A massive three points for him. Two points for Eric Bailly and one point for Matic. George has gone three for Maguire, two for Pogba and one for Bailly as well. Dave Knight has gone three for Pogba, two for Maguire, one for Matic. Vin has gone three Pogba, two for Bailly and one for Matic as well. Emma, the secretary of the supporters club, has gone three for Matic, two for Maguire and one for Paul Pogba. And Adam from the supporters club has also gone three points for Matic, two for Pogba and one for Harry Maguire. So it'll be interesting. Maybe I'll, we'll throw up on one of the social media pages later uh, so, uh, an update of the tally. I'm pretty sure Bruno Fernandes is still at the top, but it'll be interesting how these numbers well, affect probably, it. Probably the first time he's not, he's not on there for anyone. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, not even mentioned there. So maybe a good problem to have. And hey, Tom, I just want to say something on, on Solskjaer, though. Um, I think he deserves a lot, of, a lot of credit after this game, just in terms of the temperament. You may have remembered when he first came in as manager, he said United just need to be running faster than any of, you know, any of their opposition. And I think, yeah, that's all fair enough, but that doesn't guarantee you, you win every game. Maybe at the start it, it did because, you know, we're getting a lot fitter, you know, we're outrunning opposition, but now there's more to a game. Um, than outrunning them and it's pro- he's proven that tactically like in the past couple of games where they've just been really significant in key moments I bet we didn't run as fast as Burnley today I bet we didn't run as fast as Wolves when we beat him I'd be surprised if we did yeah no well, you, you make a good point and I think what Solskjaer is sh- sort of showing so much progression on so many levels and look valid opinions about his sort of tactical now 100% but people are entitled to that but in terms of this narrative, and it's a stupid term, but it is out there, everyone knows it, this PE teacher. I think people think they use the term that he has no tactics if they don't agree with the tactics. Well, a tactic is a tactic. And we'll go into the Liverpool game now. I think there is a very strong possibility, and maybe deep down I'll probably agree with it, 
that we might go to three at the back. And I think maybe something that will impact going three at the back is if Martial is in fact injured, I think time will tell, and we only have those two strikers in Rashford and Cavani, I think that will force his hand. And I wouldn't be opposed to three at the back against Liverpool because what they have struggled with Liverpool, you look at the West Brom game, you look at the Southampton game, it's not a defensive issue they have. Okay, they're going to concede goals because they don't have Van Dijk and they've got one or two young players in there. And sort of Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't a great defender, so they're always going to concede chances. But their issue at the moment is, weirdly, their front three can't score goals. Now, they are, so Salah's still popping goals in, that's what he does. But they are missing so many chances. So teams are just camping in front of their back, in front of the goal, and just soaking in the pressure and hitting them on the break. And we've seen Solskjaer in big games, whether it be PSG or it's away at the Etihad, use that three at the back and counter-attack with two up front so effectively. So just your thoughts going into the Liverpool game. One, do you expect that? And two, sort of, if he does, would you be happy with it or do you think he really should be almost trying to go there on the front foot and sort of taking the three points? I think, I just want to talk about them really quickly. I know it's a United podcast, but everyone was criticising Klopp for fielding a full team um, against Aston Villa in the FA Cup where they played basically Villa's under... 12s. Under 18s in essence, yeah, under 12s in essence. And I can see why he played a full team. He probably wants that match freshness because it, I don't think they're playing now. I think that was their last game until United, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he probably wants to keep you know, his first team fresh and playing. I mean, to have a two-week gap between play is, is probably quite dangerous, really, in terms of match fitness and sharpness. So I can see why he did it. In terms of us, I think Solskjaer will approach the game as a game that United probably don't want to lose or can't lose. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, he sets up with three at the back. Um, then again, having said that, it would be nice to you know, adopt a formation that will try and win the game because how fitting and how nice would it be you know, to stay top of the table by extending our gap you know, across Liverpool to give them six points clear. I think for them, they'll approach it as a game that they can't lose. Because to be six points behind United um, in a season where anything can happen. I mean, you look at Chelsea, we're top of the league at one point. They're now 10 points behind us. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, regardless think... of, the, of the formation and the way sort of that defensive shape pulls up, just look at midfield and forget what shape we line up in midfield. But just in terms of midfielders and the performance Matic and Pogba have just put in, before the game, when you see Matic and Pogba there, if you're thinking long-term, you're thinking, well, maybe that's probably means that Fred and McTominay are going to play against Liverpool. How do you see that situation? Does that now change after a good performance by Matic and Pogba? How do you see that issue with Fred and McTominay playing in those big games, but is Solskjaer in a position where he can drop a player like Paul Pogba? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because you can never uh, you can never predict um, how Solskjaer will line up. I didn't really expect um, Fred and McTominay to play against Man City um, in the League Cup, and he did. I thought he may have gone for Matic. But it's... Um, it's, it's a tough one you, you just got, you can't predict it so I like to say what, how I think he'd approach but you just never know with Solskjaer he always springs a few surprises especially sometimes going free at the back um, we saw how damaging that was against um, Tottenham at uh, Old Trafford early in the season so we'll, we'll see I mean ideally I think I think he'll approach it as a game if I'm being completely not optimistic but if I'm trying to predict what he'll do, I think he'll approach as a game where he won't want to lose. 
Well, I think the key for him, maybe not the key for him, but what he will be thinking and whether I agree with this or disagree, I'm not quite sure. But I think McTominay picks himself. I just think for the energy, the presence, I would no. say his leadership, but the kind of leadership in terms of what we do see that sort of attribute in him. I think Liverpool, whether we're talking about Van Dijk as their best player, who, thank God, he's not available, or we look at their front three, who are so dangerous on their day. For me, who I mentioned so often in the in the podcast throughout the off-season... Their best player for me, Thiago. And I know he's been in and out with injury, but he's back in the team now, and he is so key for me. And it will be interesting how Solskjaer approaches it. Because when I was playing, I used to play, look, definitely not comparing myself to Thiago, but sort of played in that role in terms of that similar role, just passing the ball in front of the back four. And if I'm up against a player like McTominay, who I came up against this situation so many times, who I know I'm a 10 times better footballer. Thiago's a 10 times better footballer than McTominay is. However, depending on how the game goes... I can either run absolute rings around someone like that who is just going to be trying to be physical and run more than me. I can make them look absolutely silly for 90 minutes. Or if McTominay gets on the front foot, he can be an absolute nightmare for a player like Thiago. Like Thiago probably would never have faced someone like that in terms of playing over in Spain and in Germany. So I think McTominay has done that role in big games. That we look at, he's done it twice against PSG, for God's sake, against players like Neymar and Mbappe. So just your thoughts on is McTominay, almost, I wouldn't say first name on the team sheet, but can you see Solskjaer almost turning to McTominay as being the key man for him in this one? I think so, yeah. It's just in terms of, I would say, his experience in big games and his success in big games. He really does frustrate um, opposition. Quite similar to... I'm not comparing him to Park Ji-sung, but you look at Park in terms of the energy he brought to games like this, even Anderson to an extent. I mean, Anderson loved playing against Liverpool yeah. because he just frustrated the likes of, um, of their defenders in the midfield as well. Um, certain players perform in specific type of games. You look at the Leeds game with Dan James, it was, it was just suited to his energy because Leeds are always going to be suspect at the back and he also provides that defensive cover. I'm not saying Dan James should start against Liverpool, but certain players are suited to different type of games. And I think, um, I think for me, McTominay probably comes in. I'm not saying he partners uh, with Fred. He could you know, keep Matic in the squad as well. He could rest. Um, he could put Bobo on the bench as an option. Yeah, I mean, well, I, th- I think the bench is so interesting. Whatever way it goes now, whether it be midfield or up front, I think a positive which not many people look at because we always look at what's our squad depth. Do we need to buy someone in in January? Whatever the situation, I think we definitely do, or definitely for the summer. Whatever our opinion is of the squad, it is a good bench we can field now. Yeah, and I think that's. Um, I think if you look at where we were this time last year or this time a year and a half ago, we just had no depth in, in our squad, no options on the bench, no plan B. And although it's, it's sad to see the likes of a player like Van der Beek not really getting much playing time, some, you, know, you can't really justify at the moment dropping other players because yeah. they've been so effective for us. And that's the nature of a high-performing squad that in essence is top of the league at the moment. It's, you, know, you can't really argue against it yeah it's not pleasant to see and it's not pleasant for you know players to be on the benches but that's foot that you know on a bench but that's football isn't it well you mentioned a big game and it was sort of will McTominay be the key man or will Paul Pogba play I mentioned it again I'll keep mentioning it throughout this season but in terms of a narrative is this game just made for Bruno Fernandes he hasn't assisted or scored in the last maybe game or two do you think this is just made for him I hope so I mean I thought he was. Re- I thought I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to be brutally honest. I thought he was really poor today, Bruno. I thought Rashford was really poor. I seen a lot of hate for Rashford on social media today. Just 
you know, stereotypically associating it with the bad news he received about, um, you know, the food packages in the UK and saying, oh, you know, his head wasn't in it because he's thinking about that. But I think that's just a cheap, um, a cheap opinion. Sometimes, yeah. you know, players have off games and I think he was just off the pace today, just didn't really seem up for it. But I think you tweeted this um, in the game that he was like that against Wolves and what happened, he scored the winner. And no, he, think, today he assisted, he assisted a goal. Well, Rashford has this, which uh, which we mentioned in terms. Of, I thought Martial was playing a lot better. However, when Rashford does get the ball, there's something in him this season where it almost looks like a physical maturity. He just looks bigger and stronger. He's picked up the ball sometimes, and whether you think he's got the quality to go past someone or not, you can see the defenders are thinking, "Oh no, he's running at me now," and he just has that ability. Just it almost, I don't want to compare him to Bruno Fernandez, but as bad as he is, or as bad as he can be performing. There is something there in the back of your mind thinking he can pull something out here. And that is why I thought, which I did tweet at halftime in terms of how bad he was playing. I thought, well, I remember saying this exact same thing, even worse, against Wolves. And albeit he goes on to score the winner. So, yeah, Rashford is a tricky one. I think he picks himself for this game, though. He'll be up front with Cavani. Yeah, I, I, don't think, um, I think maybe Martial could be a potential to be dropped. And I wouldn't be against that. Um, I know maybe a co-host might, but I think just in terms of what you expect out of him, he's not really being as productive as he was last season, especially in games. His end product isn't there at all. And I think if it was to drop him, it'd be a statement to him saying, you know, like a starting 11 isn't guaranteed. And I think other players on the bench um, may even deserve the opportunity, especially if he goes more defensively um, and has that extra midfield cover. It be, could be justification for him to drop Martial and maybe use him as an option on the bench if, you know, if it's... If we're 1-0 down, God forbid, or if we're, you know, level at 0-0 and we're chasing, you know, a late winner. Yeah, no, well, it, it will be fascinating. Unfortunately, it is a 3.30 on a Monday morning for us, but um, I'm sure all our listeners will have their alarm set for 3am to get on top of all the team news and have a bit of a discussion before the match because, <laughs> look, it's a big game. Well, we seem to say it every week, it's a cup final or it's the biggest game since Fergie, but it does have that feel now because I remember looking at you're sort of casting your mind back to a year, two, three years ago where you drop points and you think, oh, look, that'll be okay because Arsenal will drop points in a week or two. Chelsea will drop points. Leicester won't keep winning. So that you almost you can make up the ground where now you look at it and think, well, the room for error is so fine. We have to win every week now. And this game is obviously a, it's a big one, so it's not so much a must win. But just your th- and I know sort of we always have the old saying, would you take a point away at Anfield? And of course, both of us sit here and say, if that's offered now, we would take it. But just your thoughts on, can you sort of separate the result and sort of statement of sort of not losing? Like, is it almost a must win or is it simply a must must not lose? Because you have to think if we do lose, which unfortunately is a possibility, Liverpool haven't lost at home for over three years, there's a very good chance we would potentially lose the game. However, we stay on top with Liverpool. Obviously, they'll overtake us on goal difference, but it's not like an absolute disaster. We stay top of the table. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we're, we're facing Liverpool where the pressure's not on us, really. They're, they're, the pressure's on them, really, to gain some ground on us. And I it's think definitely United, a must-win for them. Even though we are top of the league, yeah, it's a must-win for them. But I think for us, if you were to offer me a point now, I'd, say, I'd snap your hand off for it. Yeah, I'm, no, I know that might, get some, that might get some hate or some controversy, but just in terms... I know we're top of the league, but we're not a better team than Liverpool. Liverpool is sort of in the same bracket as maybe... Man City were probably a little bit better than them, even though the league doesn't suggest that. I think that they're, they're the two teams on paper that are, you know, 
you'd have no you have no arguments if they beat us based on performance really because they're just a better team they're at a different stage in terms of their development but they're just better than us they are better than us um, obviously that Van Dijk injury is, is pivotal for them but they're not really conceded many goals actually since he's been injured really so it's going to be a very very tough game Tom um, I'll expect them to go all out you know obviously to win the game I think obviously it's important that they don't lose it so maybe there will be that defensive element to them but I'd expect them to you know really power the pressure on us and I think it's for us to counter that and uh, do the same hopefully we will win but I would take a point yeah well just on that I echo your thoughts 100% go there try and get the win do everything again to get the win if it's you get a draw so be it. I think that's a very good result. Sir Alex Ferguson used to almost start every single season with the same line. Get a draw away at Anfield. That's a decent result. That's what we want. A point away at Anfield. That's a good step towards a Premier League title. So um, it will be interesting. <laughs> It'll be a nervous watch. And um, yeah, it will be interesting in the next podcast. But I would very much look forward to um, reviewing Bruno's retaken penalty in the 94th minute to win at 1-0. But um, hopefully all our podcasts... Well, that's what hoping to say. Oh, it would be fascinating. But um, hopefully all our listeners enjoyed that. Our first podcast, absolutely top of the table. It's unbelievable. Which we've said 10 years ago, it wasn't even a thing. You wouldn't even mention top of the table. It was a non-statement. But now we have to enjoy it because it might not last. And I'm sure we will forfeit at top, top spot at some stage. It'll be about taking it back. United have shown we can take that in a pressure game against Burnley. So um, look, if worse comes to worse and we don't get the result we want, I don't want to see people losing their shit. Okay, this is going to happen. Okay, Liverpool are going to drop points this season. We've still still got to welcome them to Old Trafford later in the year. Well, actually, next week we're doing the FA Cup, which we didn't even mention. Uh, Man City are going to drop points. So it'll be an up-and-down season, but um, just enjoy where we are. Whether you're Oli in, Oli out, just enjoy where we are now because it has been far too long um, since we've been there. So hopefully everyone... I, still, I just don't understand how people can't see how far we've come. You, you look I mean, at it to last year, where we were January. This time last year, I saw the stat, we're 24 points behind Liverpool. And now we're three points yeah. ahead of them. That's, that's, I mean, if you look at that, that's unbelievable when you think about it. I mean, look at the Wolves, Villa, and Burnley game. These are games where we're drawing. We're, we're, we're getting, you know, three points out of nine. And we've gone yeah. on to get nine points out of nine. Yeah. It's, it's great. Our record, look at our away record, it's frightening. It's, it's literally, I don't think we lost a game away from home for when was the last time? Well, I think that that's just what, what you mentioned there in regards to, which I always go back to, these football narratives. Liverpool haven't lost at home for three years. We can't, we, we always win away. This is what we do. Now, you can just see it. Like, football, they'll be absolutely bricking it, thinking, well, if we're going to lose one game, it's going to be to these lot. Yeah, and I hate saying, you know, if we, did, if we had a free season, it would be even better because you can never predict anything. But the games we've lost are not due to, you know, negative spineless performances it's just due to yeah. not having a pre-season they just looked you know not prepared for the league and that's just down to context really they had to comply with Premier League regulations and play the games without having a pre-season um, I think we should be as fans whoever, I, look I've got nothing against anyone being our layout that's, that's your opinion but you need to recognise how far we've come yeah, his tactical decisions at time can be questionable, especially with his substitutions. Sometimes he's still very reactive, but the progression he's made with you know with a squad, which critics have said there's not a chance they'll challenge, never even you know you know challenge, as opposed to even win the league. 
you know, it deserves to be celebrated. We should be, I think it's right to be celebrating this and proud to be United fan at the moment. Yeah, it'll be fascinating when there is a break in football where, thank God, there isn't at the moment, but when there is, maybe does slow down a little bit, I'd love to do a podcast sort of looking at, especially if, it, if we're looking like sort of going on to be successful this season, at Solskjaer's sort of the use of the squad and the use of his, the way he has rotated the side, because as you mentioned, there was simply no pre-season. Some players had one, two sessions, some players had no training sessions. And because it is such a unique season, if we are to prove successful, the use of the Solskjaer, the way he has sort of used that midfield combination and the rotation there, it could prove an absolute masterstroke where he needs to, he needs to get all the credit um, coming his way. But um, until then, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast and fingers crossed we can have the podcast of all podcasts next week where we move six points clear of Liverpool. I don't think we'll move six points clear. I think maybe teams would start to overtake them like... I think even Everton and Leicester are probably there and obviously City have their games in hand. But as both Josh and I said, just enjoy it. Whatever happens, we're in a position now where like, put out your tweets, put out your Facebook posts, tag all Liverpool friends because we've been on the receiving end for so long. We've earned the right to give it. So um, making sure you're subscribed on all your podcasts app, whether it be Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes and all your um, social medias. Make sure you're following and interacting. We'd truly appreciate all that. And... Um, Until then, enjoy the view from the top of the table. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Not a problem at all. Hopefully three points uh, Monday morning for us. Fingers crossed. All right, cheers. Cheers.